0: But we got Bradley coming today, and um, this man is a wonderful, wonderful man of God who I've watched and had the privilege of watching for 16 years or 15 years, growing into the man of God that he is today. And uh, he has lived an exemplary life of holiness and living by the principles of the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God. He has put it into practice. And when you have a man like this who's embodied the truth, um, it's very hard to argue with his life because you see something in his life, you're like, wow, I want that. He makes, he makes me a better husband and a better father you know, to, to my child just by the way that he lives. And it's an absolute privilege and honor to have you here. And him and his wonderful wife, Beth, uh, left South Africa to come and help uh, join you know, this church and get it going. And they've been an incredible blessing. When we had, I think it was like 12 people or 10 yeah. people in a service in the middle of COVID, um, these guys arrived. And they've been faithfully serving God and left a church of, how many thousand was, yeah. uh, yeah. 2,000 people, whatever it is, I don't even know, um, to come and join a church in a foreign nation to see the kingdom of God advance. So these guys live the gospel and it's an absolute privilege. So let's lift them up in prayer. Father, we pray right now for Brad. Uh, I pray, Lord Jesus, for my brother in Christ, that you'd just strengthen him, that he'd be able to speak from a father's heart, from a place of peace, no striving you yeah, just be able to rest in what you've called them to speak today. And Lord, we pray we'd open our hearts and receive the word yeah. joyfully. In mm, Jesus' yeah. name, amen. 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 Bless Come on.
1: Amen. It is good to be here. Who's excited to be here? <laughs> there we go. That was pretty positive. It's normally you have to say it again. Um, I'm just going to steal this one. Come on. Come on. As you can see, my... Wife dressed me today. Um this is the grace of the Lord happening right <laughs> in front of you. Um okay. You guys are gonna get the anointed spit um, coming flowing straight. Yeah. Come on. Um okay, so like Dill said, I'm gonna be speaking on fasting. Um so fasting uh, in my opinion, probably one of the most neglected um, or misunderstood practices um, uh, of Jesus in, uh, in the history of the church. It's actually something uh, that's been practiced twice a week, um, kind of throughout the, the whole time until probably the past century or two centuries ago. And then it's just disappeared off kind of the, the face of the planet. Um, Just like completely, it's like a foreign concept now, unless you want him to be like healthy and hip and then you fast for that reason. Um, It's actually mentioned, so we had the baptisms last week. Who was there? Come on, not me. I I missed it, unfortunately. Uh, Administration skills were very poor. Um, But it's actually, fasting is mentioned more times in the Bible than baptism. Can you believe that? Um, It's mentioned 77 times throughout the Bible. And if you're thinking that's all Old Testament, it's pretty much split halfway down, um, which is quite incredible. I'm actually going to put this here. feels like it's in the way a bit. Um, so what what is fasting? Just as like a, a working definition for us, uh, fasting I- is a voluntarily, we voluntarily reducing or eliminating our food intake. So um, I know we love to say like I'm fasting sugar or I'm fasting cookies. Um, this this week that that's that's like like good that that is kind of part of it uh, you can fast your your phone I guess but actually that's more um, abstinence and that's also a practice and um, that's that's a really good thing we used to do a spam fast which was like 30, uh, 30 days forty days um, just phone off like no no it's yeah it feels like culty to say it it's like no contact to the outside <laughs> world it's like hermitine in and we will just switch off everything and i can promise you like man that does things to your heart i think in in the age that we're in now it's hard enough to go like a day with your phone off two days like just no no contact let alone this was like uh, music news like nothing you just just weren't weren't in it you were just in the word it's going to Spiritual prayer and meditation, I think is what it was, and we were just, that, that's great, that's not what we're talking about, so it's uh, a, a reduction or, or an elimination of food uh, for a set period of time uh, and for a specific purpose, so it's directional, it's not just like I had a busy, busy day at work, I fasted, like that happens, you missed your lunch, that, that's not fasting, that's unfortunately you were busy, like <laughs> nothing happened to your heart, uh, you, you, you don't come in and be like, yeah, I fasted every day this week. It's been great. Um, it's it, uh, intended like a specific directional purpose. Um, and, and the other thing in the language that, that I'm going to be uh, putting around this uh, it would be it's uh, uh, discipline. Um, and that's, that's a word that we hate um, these days because it implies authority, right? It's like, um, yeah, who, who would want to be disciplined? Um, and yet, this is what Jesus teaches us. If you um, really against the word, uh, another word that I love around it is practice. Um, the, the language that Jesus uh, brings, when, when it's speaking about Jesus, when it's speaking about his work, the language of the Bible is perfection. Um, but when it speaks about us, the language that it speaks to us about in our sanctification is practice. It's speaking about the journey that we're on, step-by-step uh, step growing. And so um, these practices, uh, Dil, Dil actually touched on it, I, was, I think it was three weeks ago. Um, he was speaking, uh, he probably didn't, Dil, Dil's an incredible preacher. He just like hops around as he pleases, jumping around. I don't think he even really intended to be going down this route, but he went and he just punished it. But he was speaking on Philippians 4 verse 67 and it says, um, Don't be anxious about anything. Who knows? Um, that that's a really bad thing to say to someone who's anxious, yes. like like one of the yeah. Don't be angry, like That's not helpful. Um, so so Paul comes in Philippians and he's like, don't be anxious about anything. Like great, cool. Um, if if it ended there, that would be the like least useful sentence in the Bible. But he says instead, um, in prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God so that uh, you you've got. Almost in my mind, three things happening here. So it's don't be anxious. There's a command, but he doesn't leave you there. He gives you uh, what I would term here as a discipline or a counter practice. He's saying there's stuff that's going on in your flesh. I want to replace that with a counter practice. Uh, and, and he says, make your request known to God. He's saying pray uh, in the NLT. I think it says, um, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's this contrast of this is what's going on in your heart. And this is what you need to be practicing. Um, And what comes after that in the NLT, so uh, I think in the NRV, ESV, it says, and the peace of God, which kind of implies that in the NLT, it says, then the peace of God. So there's there's this progression. The fruit comes from there. And and, uh, when you read that verse, it says the peace of God uh, will kind of, uh, what does it say? The next part? Guard your hearts. That's it. So the peace of Christ. So the peace uh, of Christ. It's not your peace. You didn't earn it by your praying. It's God's gift, yeah. but it's a fruit of. Um, and so you've got three steps here, and it's, it's incredible. But, but I think um, in, in this day and age, we've really overemphasized. Um, uh, we've, we've just kind of skipped the middle. We've been like, man, you're broken, but God's got a, this great gift. And we just ignore everything in the middle. Um, And both of those are true, uh, but we're missing something in the middle. We're so scared to speak about uh, the truth of obedience that that Christ calls us to, um, that we just completely push it down. Um, And so this is the language uh, of practice. Uh, John Mark Comer speaks of it. uh, uh, He says, uh, if you want the life of Jesus, you've got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Um, so that that's pretty much what what Dil was saying is it, we we so long for the peace of God, um, and yet look at your prayer life. Like you you so want it, but are you willing? Raul, um how when Raul ran a 10k um, if, probably a couple of months ago? How fast did you do it? He's not going to say. I'm going to tell you. It was, I think it was 35 or 36 Whoa. minutes. Yes. Insane. Who wants to be able to run 10 kilometers uh, in 35 or 36 minutes? Like Who, who just wants it? You don't, don't have anything to oh do with yeah, it. Yeah. Who wants it? it? Like, yeah, th- That's a good thing. How, how many hours do you put in a week to, to be doing that? How often are you running, Ro? Six days a week. There we go. Just taking a little break. And how long would you say you're running for? No, no. Hours, hours in the week. Yeah, there we go. Who who wants to run a ten k in thirty five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to run for eight hours a week, like killing yourself six s- six days a week? Like you got one day off. Like who who would love to do that? Eight minutes. It's a <laughs> while. Yeah, yeah. Eight minutes. <laughs> like like, we want the life, no, but we don't necessarily want the lifestyle. That comes with it, um, Paul. Paul, you you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. How how many hours would you say you spend there in a week? Eight. A- and how much would you say you you pay? Obviously, you have to pay to be going to to something like that. What what would you say in a month you're spending? Seventy five pounds. pounds. See, it, it's it costs something to get something. We we you can't just have something. We it, there's so many things that I want in life. The problem is I've only got so much time. Yeah. Hey, I, I want the life of Jesus, but am I willing? He says you've got to count the cost. Do, do I want the lifestyle of Jesus that then goes to the life of Jesus? Do, it comes with a cost. It comes with something that we have to pay. Um, and so the language around this is important. We, we, we long, I, I don't think, even if you're an atheist here today, if you honestly hear the life of Jesus and the things that are promises and the life that he had, I would argue that no one would not want the life of Jesus. The problem is we don't want the lifestyle of Jesus. Um, uh, and so this is the language about it. And so this, this language of practice is the lifestyle. This is the following. When you look at Jesus calling his disciples, he says, come and follow me. He's not saying, uh, be my follower. Like uh, when, when the next census comes around, just say, uh, I follow Jesus. Like, or or tick, tick this box. He's saying, come, follow me. He's saying, come do life with me. Come walk with me. Come learn from me. You like what you see, come live with me. Come walk with me daily. This is not just um, a, a box that you tick or something that you uh, register for and then you just live your life as if nothing else happened. This is a lifestyle change. This is a complete turnaround. It's going to cost you something. And if you want that, we can't just uh, sing, sing these lovely songs about the love of God but never step into it. <laughs> like w- We are literally wasting our lives if we focus and think we have this life but we never walk in it. Um, th- there's just, th- that's completely contradictory. So um, th- this practice of fasting uh, is literally throughout scripture, like I said, um, on both sides. Uh, and I want to focus, th- there's lot, lots to kind of go through about it, but I want to focus on the why of fasting. So um, there's, there's lots of situations, we, we're going to be going into fast, it's going to be, um, I think, really challenging, um, but it's also going to be really good for us. Uh, but why are we fasting so the, the first point that I uh, want to raise is is from Matthew 6 um so Matthew Matthew 6 is uh, in the middle of Jesus sermon on the mount um and we're just going to kind of fly fly through it relatively quickly the difficulty um with a topic like fasting is there's there's not one scripture that just covers it all so we're going to kind of jump jump around a bit but focusing in on on the heart behind fasting um and so, we jump into to Matthew 6, um, uh, verse 1. I'm reading from the message, so you'll probably find it difficult to follow. Um, be especially careful when you're trying to be good, so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. Deep, like. Mark drop, smash. Um, uh, so then, then uh, this, this is uh, one of the points I want to look at. It says, when you do something for someone else, or I think in other uh, versions it'll say, when you give, um, it, 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 there's this language about it. It says, uh, don't call attention to yourself. So he's addressing the heart of it. We jump, jump down to verse 5, speaking about prayers. The next thing he, he goes into and says, When you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. Um, carries on, jumps down to uh, verse 14. In prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. Um, that's just emphasizing what, what we're speaking about practice. You can't get forgiveness for from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part, uh, then in, into verse 16 he says, "When you practice some fast appet- when you practice some appetite denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it." So he, he's going through all of these things, but the important part to recognize is um, the language he uses is he says, "When you give, when you pray, when you fast, he, he presumes these things are happening." This is the life of a follower. He's not saying, "Let me make a case for your giving." He's saying, "Look at my life. I'm pouring. I'm pouring out my life for you. You can see me giving. You're following me. So I'm not telling you that you should give. I'm saying you are. You like that's part of following me. I'm not even like that's non-negotiable." When you pray, you you were there, I'm praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You've seen me agonizing in prayer. You've seen the hours that I wake up before any of you wake up, I'm praying. This is a non-negotiable. And the third thing he says is, when you fast. It's not not in question. The thing that he's actually addressing, as Jesus always does, is he's addressing the heart behind it. And so fasting is not in, in question here. It's actually a presumed practice that we would all be practicing it. Um, which is, uh, why, I mean, if Jesus is doing it, I could pretty much end there. I could be like, yeah, Jesus is doing it. That's a good idea. Like, we should be fasting, right? Um, but, but it goes further. So, he goes, um, the, the second point, peas P's are like the anointed peas of scripture. Like, I, I feel like you could summarize the whole Bible in peas. So, it's uh, presumed. That's, that's why. And then, uh, the second point would be prayer. Um, even just from a, a very practical point, I've never realized how much time I spend preparing food and then eating food until you're not doing it. And you're like, I have so much time to pray. Like uh, when, when you're fasting, you realize how much of your life is spent doing those two things. Um, you spend all this time making it, then you eat it, then you carry on with it, then you just start again. Like if you've had a day off, um, you spend most of your day just doing those like two things on repeat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and so just from a purely practical point, uh fasting we, we uh there there's this element of prayer, but it, it goes actually beyond that. You you can see it in uh Isaiah fifty eight. Um I will read a passage from there. It's gonna be starting I'll tell you now. So we can start kind of in verse three, um So it says, they ask me what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side. But they also complain, why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think that this kind of a fast that this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off humility, think of the contradiction there to, to put on a pious long face, to parade around solemnly in black. Do you call that fasting? A fast day that our God would like. This is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel the debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting on clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray... God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, "Here I am." Uh, the The word fasting is almost always linked with the word prayer in Scripture, um, and it it seems blasphemous to to think that our fasting would somehow affect our prayers, like as if we can do something to make our prayers more effective. But the Scripture here says that you look look at the verse. Um, Oh, classic message, it doesn't have verses, so it's, um, uh, heathens, who reads this kind of stuff? Um, uh, so it says, the kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. It, there's a link there, and it carries on, speaks about the kind of fasting that he wants, and he says, "The um, then when you pray, God will answer. There's a link between our obedience in prayer. And the effectiveness of our prayers. Uh, in I don't know which which passage it is, but there's where, where the demons are uh, not being cast out, um, and the disciples can't cast it out, and Jesus comes in and says, "This kind will not be cast out except by prayer and fasting." Some some uh, manuscripts, to to be fair, wouldn't include the word fasting. Um, but there's an element in there, and you can see it here, of the link between prayer and fasting. That, that somehow there's, there's this link between God's power, which will be the, the third P, um, and, and just our fasting. There's, there's this power that comes with it. These disciplines that we're speak, speaking about, these practices, they're, they're not just a discipline. They're called spiritual disciplines because it's not what you're doing. There's this element of what you're doing but it's the spirit's animation of the, what you're doing that really brings the power. And so you're uh, walking in faithfulness and the spirit comes and he activates what's going on there. He brings the power to it. And that's where, where the power in fasting is, not, not in your own actions. Um, and so there's this incredible power that comes with our, the, the fourth point that I'd say of why we fast is it's, it's about the heart preparation. Um, you see this throughout stories um, in in scripture. Moses um, fasted when when he was getting the ten commandments. His heart was being prepared for forty days fasting up on the mountain. You could potentially argue that it was eighty days because he came back, smashed them, and went back up again. But no one really knows if he had a quick like tea break, hungry, and then back up. But but even if he did, I mean, if he had a snack between, that's that's quite a little bit to have in eighty days um it's preparing his heart you look at daniel fasting when he's waiting for guidance you see jesus i mean that's a pretty good example for us when the holy spirit comes on to him 40 days going into the desert and i would argue so i've always thought of it as uh the devil coming at Jesus' weakest point to try and tempt him. I would argue that um, the devil came at his strongest spiritual point. He's, he's been fasting. He's um, been focusing his eyes on God. He may be physically weak, but the devil comes with lies and he just smashes them out the park because he's intimately connected with God and there's a supernatural power that has partnered with his fasting um, that's allowed him to recognize the lie and just push it out the way. Even when he comes, when, when Satan comes with something so close to the truth, he just bats it out the park. That's the power of fasting. Um, uh, the, the fifth point that I would say is perspective and perseverance. And this is a big one in our um, kind of post-enlightenment, uh, highly intellectual landscape that we're in, hyper-individualistic. Um, uh, the the power of of. Um, fasting in a society like this um, is that the culture speaks over us that our happiness is getting what you want when you want it and that's constantly drilled into you and drilled into you and drilled into you that you think freedom is getting what I want and uh, my happiness is tied to me getting the things that I want and, and sometimes you think um, I don't think like that that's that's not what's going on in my heart L- look the questions that we ask in our suffering reveal our heart you you, you look at uh, in isaiah fifty eight um, where, where we started there in verse three um, it says, let's go a bit up to to verse two they're busy, busy, busy at worship, and love studying all about me. to all appearances they're a nation of right living people, law abiding, god honoring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side? But they also complain, why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? The questions we ask reveal the, the space between what's in our head and what's in our heart. If you, if you weren't here last week, Dill spoke about faith coming from the heart. If, if you weren't here, listen to that. Because the questions that we ask in our suffering reveal that gap. Um, I'll give you an example, uh, my brother is in York, they live so generously, they left South Africa, they just like gave so much stuff away, he's always, always lived generously and they come here and they're struggling, they're not, they're not making ends meet, um, it, it's a really hard time for them and the question that I ask is why God? Like, wh- they've been so generous, why are they struggling? And that seems like a very reasonable question to ask, but actually it reveals our heart. Because what we're actually saying is, God, they've given, they deserve. As if their giving was a way to earn God's favor uh, and not from God's favor, not from a position. Fasting is exactly the same. If our fasting is done to earn, we're missing the point completely. Uh, we, we've we literally completely missed the point and, and sometimes we don't even recognize the narrative that's going on in our heart. Sometimes we don't recognize that we think my happiness is connected to what I have until I don't get what I want and then I'm unhappy and I think that's the cause. But in, in a society where we probably have the most things at our fingertips, we're the most unhappy and Dil's spoken about this m- multiple times. Uh, I would argue that that it's not because we don't have enough. It's because we've got the wrong uh, perspective in our minds. And fasting is one of the most powerful practices to learn to suffer. To voluntarily say, I know that my body is important. I know that food is important. But you are more important. And this, this is something I really want. It's not like when I fast, I'm like, "Ah." Oh, I don't want food. This is great. I love it. You want food. like You desperately want food. Beth Beth knows it's like I'm I'm really forgetful when I fast. Sometimes I walk into the house and I'm like, what? Food? And I just start eating. And she's like, I thought you were fasting today. And I'm like, I was. (laughs) And I forgot because I didn't realize how hungry I was until I walked into the house and saw that food that is delicious. You, You want food. Deep, you, there's no doubt about it, your desires for food. The recognition is is perspective of saying, "I want you more A- and that doesn 't come naturally. The world is bombarding you and bombarding you and bombarding you with these thought patterns, and you think you 're just going to avoid that by just just uh, thinking oh no i, I don't i don 't want that you want it like the world is speaking it over you, and you have to fight actively against that, and the way you do that is through fasting and saying. I don't have to get what I want when I want it to be happy. Um, and you train that through fasting. Um, uh, John Markoma says, uh, In life, suffering is unavoidable, but joy is not. What What he's saying is, if, if we train our minds to only be happy when we get what we want, look out, you're going to suffer. It, it's not... It's not possible that you'll always get what you want. And and if you even look at that, I was thinking about that this morning. Like, If we really think our happiness is tied up in getting what we want, we preclude other people's happiness just in that statement. Because if I want something and Eden wants the opposite, one of us has to win. So one of us has to be happy and the other one has to be sad. That is not God's way. That's not what God's calling us into. Our happiness is not competing. We need to learn the, the secret to contentment in all circumstances. If you look at um, Philippians 4, verse 13, where it speaks about um, uh, that uh, the. Oh, Christ. What? Sorry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you look at the verse before that, see what he's speaking about. We love to use that like in, in our greatest moments. He's speaking about his lowest moments. He's saying, when when I have everything, when I have nothing, like in the contrast of everything, uh, I, I can... Oh man, I'm losing it all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and so this, the secret of... Hello, my precious. Um, the secret of joy in all circumstances, learning to train yourself that I don't need to get my way. Look at Jesus' life. If... if uh, if our happiness is tied to hello, my pudding. Oh we go. Do you want to go to Uncle D? Maybe not. We'll give it. We'll try it. Um, uh, Jesus in in the Garden of Gethsemane he says, "Not my will, but your will be done." Yeah. Uh, look, look at him. Look at the prayers that he's praying. I mean, that's that's always challenged me so much to think that Jesus prayed that. Like, like, try wrap your mind around that. That Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done, speaking to the Father. He's, he's not fighting for his own way. Uh, and I would argue that through the practices, uh, there's, there's been this continuous training and re- rewiring of the mind to say, actually, my, my joy is not tied up in me getting my own way. My joy is tied up in doing the will of the Father. Um, And so it's a continuous laying down, but we can't think that that we're going to do that by willpower. If you think you're going to do that, willpower is really great for saying, I'm not going to have that second cookie because I want to keep this in shape. It's not so good when when you're anxious uh, and you're trying to fight this and you're just caught up in this. It's not going to get you there. Willpower can do many things, but it can't set you free from sin. Um, And so we can't rely on our willpower. We've got to rely on spiritual, the spirit animating the things that he calls us to, the life that he's called us into, the lifestyle that we need to live. Both of those come together and we find freedom. We find peace that he calls us into when we pray and commit our anxieties. If you speak about your anxieties to someone, most of the time, um, it, it can just compound. Like if all you're doing is just speaking about your anxieties, that, that's not, the power is not in speaking to someone about your anxiety. The, the power is when you commit that to God, then He says, the peace will come. This is not me telling Beth about my anxieties. This is me casting them on God. Uh, and the reason that works is not because that's a, a good practice. The reason that works is because the Spirit is powerful and He takes that and then He brings the peace. Um, and so there's a partnership there. And, and the last, last point that I would say um, uh, about this, uh, uh, and I would argue that without this, everything, all, all those other points are great, uh, but they would fall flat on their face and we would just become a religious um, kind of society trying to earn God's favor. Uh, without our priorities being changed, and, and this is the, the kind of phrase that I put around it is, we don't fast for favor, we fast to feast on the Father. So we don't fast to, to earn favor. We fast to feast on something greater. Um, if, if all our fasting I- is done as a practice to just train our will and rewire our mind and, and do all these great things, that's, that's good. That's a good practice. Fasting is a great thing, but if it's not about God, that's all it will be. Is a great thing. It'll never be a God thing if if our fasting, if our prayer, if our worship, if our preaching, if our coming to church, if all of that is just about that. If if that's the end, uh, we we are miserable people. And um, if if it's not a means to an end, and the end is God Himself, if it's not a coming to God and saying, uh, "My my body is so important. Uh, I value my body, but I just recognize that You are so much bigger." Than I am. And you're so much better than I could comprehend. You're so much better than food. My body doesn't tell me it. My body tells me I want food. But you are so much better. Yeah. You, you are the best thing for me. We come uh, to, to fast. We, we come fasting. But we come to feast on something greater. And if we miss that. We miss everything. Yeah. And so my, my challenge is. Uh, like Dil said. We're going to be going into a, a time of fasting. Uh, and my challenge is. Um. Uh, above all things, this is a time to draw close to God. This, this is a practice. Uh, if, uh, my one challenge would be we need to be stepping into the practice. We've, we've um, completely neglected obedience. In, in an effort to try and make much uh, of God's grace, we've minimized it. Because we, we think of grace, Bill's spoken on this, we, we think of grace as just God's salvation power. Um, but it's actually a sustaining power. And if we ignore uh, the, the kind of gospel of obedience, we'll never walk in the sustaining power to live a life that He's called us to. Uh, we'll just sit around waiting to receive, and we don't realize that faith is active and moving. Um, and so that would be my one challenge. But my second challenge uh, above, above all of that would be, as we fast, as we press into prayer, as we do any of these things, if, if we're just here singing a song to try and make it sound nice, it's dead. Like, like, rather don't sing. Don't, ra- rather don't do, do any of these things if, if we're not coming to, to draw close to the Father. Um, and so fasting, as we, as we press into this, I don't know when, when we're going to do it. We'll make all of those details clear. But the reason behind fasting is Him. Our desire, our focus is on, is on Him. If we're fasting because we want favor, we've missed the gospel completely. We are uh, already in His favor. Um, so we're fasting from a place of favor. We're fasting to feast on God. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, well, I wonder if we could stand and we can just pray. Maybe if the band wants to. Do you have another song? Yeah. Yeah. If the band wants to come up. Yeah. Yeah, Father, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that we can spend time in your presence. That I I, yeah, I pray would we not be ignorant of the fact that you are present here with us. And I just pray that I pray would you bring a holy conviction. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak into our hearts and just challenge us to walk walk in your presence that, that even now as we go into more worship, Father, and as we go into the rest of this day, that there would just be such a recognition of your closeness to us, Lord. Now we would just rest in that. Beyond anything else. Beyond, beyond all this, this other stuff, Father. We're not doing for you. We're just being with you. Yeah. Now, Dad, would you stir our hearts. I pray that you'd stir our lives, Father. That we'd recognize the life that you have called us to. And that we'd be willing to lay down everything. Father, you said that if anyone wants to follow you, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow you. If anyone wants to be your disciple, Father, I just, I pray, would you place that calling onto our hearts, Lord. Would would we hear you speaking it to us and would we lay down everything. I pray that everything else would come second to just knowing you and following you and walking in your ways. That your life would become our life, Father. <laughs> Jesus, I, I thank you that the work is yours. And I just pray, would you come and stir in our hearts? Would you come and speak into us? Would you challenge us? Would you probe us? And would you just move us into the fullness of the life you're calling us into, Lord? Amen. Amen.